Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Barry Rogers. Barry is the Senior Manager of Strategic Sourcing and Procurement at New Relic, Inc., and his experience with IT procurement runs deep. He has worked for tech companies and around technology spend and suppliers for years, developing a valuable point of view that we're going to explore in today's conversation. So hi, Barry. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Hey, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me. I talked a little bit generally about your specialization in IT, but could you share a little bit more detail about your background and professional experience? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those people that I think um, kind of backdoored my way into into where I am now. Um, <laughs> in some respects, right? I think uh, I don't think that's too uncommon with uh, procurement and sourcing professionals. I um, actually started my career in finance. I worked for worked for a bank. Um, for a few years and kind of found myself a little bit lost after a couple of years, kind of not really understanding what I was doing, not not from a day-to-day perspective, but not really understanding the impact that I was that I was having on on the world, if you like, right? For like a better way of putting it, right? I kind of wanted to understand a little bit more about business and not not feel so pigeonholed in, in what yeah. I was doing on a daily basis. And so I was actually living in I'm Irish. Uh, I was living in Australia at the time and uh, I had a conversation with my with my dad. He has a he has a business in Ireland, um, and he had an opportunity to come up by, in the office, and he wanted me to come over and work in the business in the family business with him, kind of learn it, um, and kind of you know get some experience that way. And that was something that you know at the time sounded great, and I really wanted to kind of get to get to some background on how business actually runs, you know, and 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 what how it all works and comes together. And so um, decided to do that, and went back, and what was meant to be something that was going to be for a few years turned into ten years. Um, and I spent some time doing that and was looking for a change then um, as I kind of uh, evolved uh, my time in the, in the business there. I was doing kind of mostly uh, commercial work um, dealing on the customer side, managing our supply chain. And we were kind of a, a specialist supplier in the drinks industry in Ireland. And, you know, I had great exposure there, but was looking to make a change um, and kind of go and do my own thing a little bit on the outside. Um, and so I came across procurement because I was actually dealing with procurement people with buyers you know who are our customers right and so my kind of motivation was okay what makes these guys tick you know how do they think what's important to them and so I actually decided and I realized I was kind of a buyer in my own way without even really (laughs) knowing it because I was managing a supply chain right and and that type of thing and so I ended up going to do some study uh I did a SIPS qualification on on, uh, in procurement over in Ireland um, and, you know, ended up just kind of really wanting to dive a little bit deeper into it. And um, my wife and I ended up moving to the States um, a few years ago for her role. Uh, and that gave me an opportunity to say, OK, now is the time to make a jump. Um, and so at that point, we decided to, to make the jump. We came over to the States and I started basically at the ground level um, in procurement, went in as a specialist and spent some time in, in 
um, different technology companies, spent some time in the smaller and bigger ones. I was in SurveyMonkey for a while and then went to Apple, which is obviously significantly bigger, right? And different kind of exposure. Um, and that gave me a great opportunity to actually realize what type of procurement and sourcing I wanted to do, or at least what type of organization I wanted to be part of. Um, and that was basically what I realized is I didn't really want to be part of the big one, right? Like an Apple where yeah. you still end up kind of doing that pigeonhole work because it's so big. I mean, I think I spent pretty much my whole time there working on one specific deal, right? So it was like, and, and in <laughs> fact, actually my contract ended before I even got it finished, right? So, um, but ended up moving then into um, a couple of different roles beyond that, which were very focused on. Um, on on kind of technology sourcing. And, and the reason I ended up there was really because, you know, I was really interested in technology. I'm actually interested in, you know, what makes the world tick, right? Everything seems to be kind of some sort of software these days or some sort of subscription, right? And so I really wanted to learn about that. I actually studied when I came over to the States. You know, I did some of the CompTIA stuff. I wanted to learn the lingo just on my own time, just kind of did some of that kind of qualifications, did some of the, you know, some of the security plus and that type of thing, just studying for them. And um, just so as I could understand, again, how people think and talk about these type of technologies and ended up just have ended up doing that since. And, you know, I think the more time you spend in procurement and sourcing, that that's the best experience you can get, right? It's really just time. Time spent in role is really Absolutely. kind of the best way you can learn about it, right? Because it's not it's not brain surgery what we do at the end of the day, right? It's it's not going to make your yeah. <laughs> it's it's not going it, to we don't save lives, right? But um, so it can be learned. It's and, and that's something I try and always tell people as well is that it's a skill that can definitely be learned. Um, and it's what what drew me to the whole procurement side of the world as well, and and the type the size of business as well was was really the opportunity to be able to still understand everything that's happening in the business, right? If you understand where you're spending your money you kind of understand where the business is going as well. And so even in a, even in today's world of where you're totally remote and, you know, you're not kind of walking around and getting a sense of kind of things that are happening in an office, procurement folks should, if they have, you know, the, the, the eyes open and the ears open, should be able to get a great sense of where the business is going and, you know, how you can kind of fit into that, um, you know, based on where people are spending money and the different type of things that they're buying. <clears throat> Now, one of the things that I find interesting, actually, and this is true about both procurement and IT, it's that to a certain extent, everybody now thinks they're an expert, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody that we know is an expert in procurement because they have Amazon. And everybody that we know is an expert in some type of IT because there are so many consumer-facing apps and there's so much automation in our lives. When you think about the types of challenges associated with sort of how corporate buyers, because they're consumers in their private life, how they think about following procurement processes, implementing technology, what type of expectation or alignment challenges do you think this dynamic creates between, you know, certainly users and procurement, but in a similar way, users and IT? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great question. And, you know, frankly, I wish um, everything was as simple as, you know, going on Amazon and, you know, and going and buying things that way. Unfortunately, that's just not the, live, the world we live in. And really, that just comes down. I mean, it could be that simple. Right? A lot of the companies that will sell you technology, yeah. you know, make it that simple if you want it to be right. All they need is a is a signature. Right. They don't they don't mind. Right. Um, <laughs> the difficulty, of course, comes on the compliance side. Right. And the risk side. And, you know, we're a SaaS business at New Relic ourselves, right? We have customer responsibilities that we contract around, right? And so 
backend technology that's being bought that may some you know at some point end up in our product or feeding our product or maybe it's a subprocessor or something like that you know all of those type of things are linked together and how data flows out of your business and into your into your providers and infrastructure and how it flows back right and what type of data that is that's all very complicated and really requires a deep understanding um, and and a lot of different inputs from around the business um, before that can kind of be be bought, right? You can't just go and buy something off the shelf because ultimately the terms and conditions that you would be signing up for are going to be obviously very favorable to to your provider, right? And and that's that's no different to us. We we have customers, you know, that you know we have a self serve option as well, and those those terms would be obviously as you could expect favorable to us, right? And that's just the nature of the beast. If you sign up for something online. Most people don't even read the terms and conditions. Like they just are what they are. And it's only when you have a problem that uh, that, that, that you need to look at them. But you, the, so the, the kind of issue around that is obviously trying to set those expectations ahead of time within the business, right? And, and things like we do some things like road shows, and I've done them historically in, in my previous roles as well, where you would kind of go to the business and explain what the, you know, in New Relic, we call it the vendor management office, right? And explain what it is that we do because there can be a very kind of um, a big misconception as to what it is procurement do, right? And people think procurement are just the ones who tell me I can't spend my money. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that, that literally couldn't be any further from the truth because we have absolutely zero impact on your budget at all. And yeah. we, we don't control that in, in the slightest, right? We can, we can help kind of, you know, partner up uh, internally and help kind of paint the picture and, and put people together and make sure everybody's aligned. And that's a really critical part of the role. But I think to answer your kind of question in a long-winded way, it's, I mean, ultimately it's really just kind of having those clear expectations with the business, partnering with the business as early as possible and, you know, kind of getting it out there ahead of time and showing them what you can do. If you can get in and be part of their planning cycles, right? Maybe they have a monthly stand-up or a quarterly stand-up or something with finance or, you know, something where there's projects going on that you could just, dial in nowadays or you know be in the room as a fly on the wall so you know what's going on and then you could ping that person afterwards and be like hey if you're thinking about this let me know i'll help you kind of get a head start on the process um, and those type of things are are important to do but it's not always the way right we still have yeah. many many requests that come in and and, and they're like, hey you know i've done this deal can you guys sign this and you know i need it next week because otherwise it's going to have x y and z impact on the business right so yeah it's not perfect far from it but it, it's always a work in progress well, and even if it's just the simple question around, you know, okay, person, you've found a, a great solution that yes, we think is reasonable, but we already have one, right? Yep. You know, when you, when we go back to that comparison between the consumer experience to the corporate experience, I'm in the Apple ecosystem. So I can go into my app store and it tells me, oh, somebody in your cloud or whatever the word is already has that app. So you just pull it down, right? It doesn't work that way in the corporate world because everybody's just going to vendor websites. And then if it goes through someone centrally, then it's an opportunity for procurement to say, oh, you're interested in that solution. This other business unit or this other team is using it. Let's look at the license. Let's look at the contract and see if we can get you access. And it belies the fact that while people think of themselves as buying access to technology, the real concern, and, and I think you started to allude to this, especially where risk is concerned, is the data. Because it's yeah. not the interface that's the concern. It's not the process that's being automated that's the concern. It's the data that's being created at the same time. Um, now, risk and compliance are huge concerns for, for companies today. 
How do you, either in conversations with the business or in conversations with IT, make sure that risk and compliance are addressed both in terms of the licenses that you're signing for and in terms of the data that's being created through those different technologies? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It is, a, it is a major priority. In fact, it's actually the number one priority for us as a, as a vendor management office is our data protection um, followed closely by security and then, you know, closely behind that by, you know, pricing, budget and spend, right? The, the data protection side of things is a, is a top priority for our executive team. Um, you know, we're, we're a data-driven company and so um, that, that's something that we take very, very seriously. Um, and we do that really as part of our, um, it's, on, it's, part, it's a heavy part of our roadshow, right? It's part of our slide deck, how that all comes together. But it's, it's actually all managed within our intake tool. We have different um, teams that have input in there. We have our privacy team um, who would look at kind of the GDPR, CCPA, type of requirements and make sure we're kind of compliant from that from that standpoint. We have our InfoSec team who are heavily involved in the review of any new tools. We actually have a tools governance board internally when we get new tool requests that come in. And that's a fairly new uh, endeavor, which is, you know, which is great because a lot of the tools, I think you were looking to it earlier as well, a lot of the tools may do something similar, right? And if you can get 80% yes. of the way there with something you already have approved, then maybe that's something you have to push back on. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to impede uh, productivity by any means but at the same time you have to kind of you have to be efficient in some ways and we do that we monitor that very closely for new vendor requests that come in and something you know from the sourcing and procurement side that's i think really important is you know we're the ones that generally are kind of the conduit between the different teams right we're kind of this, the focal point we're the ones talking to infosec maybe and talking to this privacy talking to legal talking to finance and talking to the requester right the stakeholder uh, who's essentially your customer uh, and trying to put those pieces together and so it's really critical that you have somewhat of a of an understanding you know a pretty deep understanding of how the product is intended to be used right and i think that's something that's missed quite often right is someone will come in and the requester you know understands what it is they're trying to do and they'll put a one line sentence in to say i'm looking to do this for you know for whatever it is um and you know to them in their mind that makes sense right i know what i'm trying to do here and i just put a sentence in and you know surely everybody else knows what i'm trying to do here but that's that's not the case right and so you have to be able to digest that get with your get with your customer your stakeholder right? requester who's looking to buy this tool and really kind of dive into it with them what are you trying to do here right what exactly are you trying to do what data flows out? A lot of the time, if you're dealing with different people, you know, they're not that familiar with IT. They don't even know right what what type of data or the different different classifications of data that there is, right? Confidential, restricted. Maybe it's already publicly available data, right? And it requires a lower end of the review. And so diving into all of that and being able to put that in front of the different teams is kind of something that's really important role, part of the role now for, for procurement and sourcing, right? As opposed to potentially your traditional image, which was, you know, we just go and try and tell the vendor that we want 10% discount, right? Because that, that's becoming less and less of a part of the job now. Um, it's still an important part of the job, but sure. it's, really, it's really not the most important part anymore, I don't think, you know? Now, you've talked a couple times about the roadshows, and I'm actually curious about their effectiveness. It's sort of winning over the business, because I think you're completely right, you know, especially when you are bringing, maybe you're bringing procurement to a, a group of people who haven't had much contact with them at that company or in a long time, you do tend to sit there and face that room of glares. You're the person that's going to tell me how I can and can't spend my money. And it's more can't than can. I, I know it's more of a, a sales approach, but I almost think of this in like a lead nurture 
kind of perspective. You know, it takes some time. You can't just, well, I'm going to give you my 30-minute spiel and then you're going to love me and you're not going to worry about me telling you you can't have budget anymore. It takes some time to win people over and have them see some things that build up trust and help them understand the full scope of things procurement can do. When you think about how those roadshows fit into the longer journey of making sure everybody understands what procurement offers and what procurement can do to help and when they should reach out, how long of a process is this to go from sort of the beginning idea to actually have have won people over to where they're no longer actively glaring at procurement? They're listening and they may be wary, uh, but they don't have quite so many preconceived notions standing in their way. Yeah, I think I think it's a, you know it's an ongoing process. It's not something that would ever end, you know. And I've we've had mixed success with it, with roadshows in in my career, um, right? In that, you know, I think you can try and capture all the all the kind of intricacies of of the process and all the different details and have a thirty page slide deck, and and not a single person in the room is going to receive it or listen to it. Yeah. And so, you know, that the where I've seen kind of the best success and something that we do kind of currently now as well is you know, it's a handful of slides and it's more conversational in the room, right? It's really high level stuff. And really all it is, is just a constant, um, you know, we are here, we exist. Think about us when you're thinking about buying stuff, you know, think about us early, think about us often and, you know, and kind of engage, right? And I think you find that over time, you know, once people work with you and go through the process and kind of see, ah, okay, now I understand, you know, why it can take eight weeks to have a new tool, you know, implemented right. or brought on board. And it's it's not just you guys, you know, because a lot of the times people will send in the request over the hill and, you know, they don't hear anything and they're, they, they're like, what's happening with my request? And they think it's just you just, you know, sitting at home playing video games or something like that, right? But it's, Laughing, yeah. saying, I'm never going to let them get that stuff they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Saying the less money we spend, the better, right? You know, no, that's that's really not what it is. What they don't realize is that a lot of the time you could spend a week going back and forth trying to trying to establish what paper you're going to use with the provider, right? And, that, and that's that's a big thing, right? And, you know, providers, especially now if you're buying a lot of SaaS, I, I focus a lot on, on, on software spend, right? And IT spend. Um, everybody wants to use their own paper, right? And that's that's really down to some, sometimes the paper can be tailored specifically towards a tool, but most of the time, what you find is that it's just a resourcing issue, right? People, everybody's the same, right? Everybody has a limited number of lawyers, a limited number of contract folks, right? And so it's much easier to look at, you know, a handful of red lines on your own paper than it is to look at a whole document that's red line, that's new, that, you know, you don't recognize, right? So explaining that to folks as well kind of helps. And I think you just constantly need to be out there. You know, we have um, a process internally where we, you know, we uh, have a pipeline of spend that we've created ourselves, right? It's just something that we've kind of put together and we're proactively all the time reaching out, you know, 60, 90, sometimes longer days ahead to folks just to say, hey, you know, you know, this is coming up, you know, what are you thinking about? How can I help? Would you like me to start engaging the process? And it just gets it on the radar. Then they know, okay, you're the one I need to go to. I need to be thinking about that. You know, and even that's not perfect, right? There's a lot of attrition these days and the great resignation and whatever else they call yeah. it these days, right? So you're constantly having new folks come in who've had different experiences with procurement in, in their own organizations. It all works differently. Hey, I used to sign these contracts myself. You know, I'm I'm a VP, so why can't I sign them? That's just not the way it works, right? Most companies have authorized signatories. Even something as simple as that can be a pain point, right? And especially yeah. when people, you know, a lot of the frustration you tend to see is when people are uh, trying to do something really quickly and then you can't and they realize, oh, I probably should have known better. But, you know, 
I want to project onto you a little bit. And so you just, you have to kind of work through that with them, try and problem solve it. And then, you know, offer on the back end, Hey, can I train you or your team? Or can I meet with the team? Can we talk about what's coming up in the next quarter or the next six months? So as we can think about how we get ahead of these things, I want to help right at the end of the day, procurement and sourcing is a support function, right? We, we support yes. the business. We don't create the product. We don't sell it. We don't market it, but we help the people who do that you know, be successful. And so we are there to support, right? And our customers are internal. And if you want to be successful, you have to treat it that way. You have to have, you know, a customer based approach, you know? Well, and I think that actually provides a great transition to the question that I always ask everybody that joins me on the sourcing hero. And that is, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you, Barry? Or I guess put another way, I'll, I'll give you this second option. Um, what does heroism look like in a business context? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, heroism with everything that's going on, not to date the podcast, right? But with everything that's going on in the world at the moment is kind of a, it's a hard thing to even kind of think about in a business it perspective, is. right? It's, it's you know, because it's, you know, business at the end of the day is what it is. It's business, right? Um, and, but, you know, having said that, for me, you know, growing up, I always, idolized my uh, my dad right I, he he he's always been my business hero still is you know someone who kind of when he was my age that I am now took an idea and just went out on his own he had young kids and you know and went and kind of did his own thing in a business perspective and has had a very successful business for 30 plus years and I always kind of think of entrepreneurs and people that do that and jump out because I'm I'm not that way focused. That's kind of what led me to leave as well a little bit, right? Was, you know, <laughs> I, that's that's just not who I am. I'm more of like a, a company guy, if you like, for lack of a better way of putting that. But I always think that people that kind of take that jump and do their own thing. And there's lots of people that do that in the procurement world now as well. You think about people like Mike, you know, and the Procurement Foundry and yourselves, right? And, and you know, and Philip and and uh, Daniel Barnes and stuff like that, that just kind of decide, you know, I'm just going to start and try and start building a community, right? Um, and those type of people are great because even a few years ago when I first kind of got into procurement, it felt very closed off, right? It felt mm-hmm. people kind of did their own things. And I don't want to share the deal I got in case, you know, that spoils it for me in the future. Or I don't really want to talk to people about pricing. That's That couldn't be less true nowadays. And if you really want to, you can join multiple different communities out there. There's so many different podcasts. You can really be kind of learn about the different types of uh, approaches you can take with the different providers to to get the best possible deals you can get, you know, what was successful, what wasn't. And, you know, I think that's kind of how I think about it. Well, and, and the nice thing is, you know, now through these kinds of conversations, you know, you get the opportunity to be a part of that, right? So there are people that are listening in today that are, you know, completely rethinking how they're going to approach the business about whether it's IT spend or something else, right? So many of these things are more strategic or conceptual than they are necessarily tied to a specific category. Um, So if we have somebody listening in to this episode that would like to be a part of your community, what is the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, I think I think LinkedIn is the best way. You know, I try and I'm um, I'm on LinkedIn um, a bit. I'm always looking to kind of expand my network of sourcing um, fellow sourcing professionals and and beyond. Um, you know, as you can tell, I'm always happy to talk about sourcing. Right, like, <laughs> I I am I am one of those kind of nerds, right? Who's I'm passionate about what I do. Um, I wouldn't do it otherwise. Um, I enjoy it. Um, and, you know, I'm always happy to talk to people about it, learn from people um, that are doing it as well. Or, or kind of, you know, if anybody had any questions or anything like that, feel free to connect on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm more than happy to, uh, to connect. Well, you're in good company, Barry. You can come geek out with us anytime. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.